I often say that addiction is the result of not knowing how to find safety inside of yourself. So you find it in something else and understandably you get hooked on it because you're desperate for safety. That's all you're guilty of. Any of you looking to learn more about supporting addiction recovery through a trauma-informed and somatic lens and a nutritional lens, please join me for my addiction circle. This is a bi-monthly, entirely free, virtual circle that I invite anyone here to come and join if they want more information. Addiction tends to be so steeped in shame, and I find that doing this work in a community of people helps to destigmatize that shame so you can see how not alone you are in the experience. So whether you are personally withdrawing, preventing, experiencing relapse, or you work with people who are actively addicted or in recovery, all are welcome. The next addiction circle is Tuesday, July 2nd at 4 p.m. EDT. This meeting is not recorded for the sake of anonymity. No registration is necessary. Just join through the link below. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast, where we discuss every aspect of life through the lens of somatic psychology, nutrition, and self-inquiry. My name is Luis Mojica, and I'm a somatic educator who teaches people how to find safety inside themselves so they can better navigate this strange and sensational human experience. Your time to learn begins now. Hi, everyone. My name is Evan, and I'm the podcast editor, admin assistant, and sound healing practitioner here at Holistic Life Navigation. I wanted to introduce today's episode, which is a replay of the live Q&A from the Fawning series, a two-week email series that went out in March. Don't worry if you missed out. Luis is planning to make a self-led course around fawning to be released later this year. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy this replay. Welcome, everybody. Let's take a moment to settle in together. I love seeing all the cameras blossom. So I'm just going to take in the faces for a moment. You can too, if you want to. And as we're landing in this space together, just see what you feel. Like what happens to your breath? What happens to your belly? How do your shoulders feel? Just really checking in how you land here for a moment. We're just going to take a minute to do that, to see what that's like even. Really orienting to how your body feels as you settle in. It's interesting because we're virtual, so it can seem like the only thing we're looking at is this, but where is our body in this virtual experience? And I always love to look at my, or feel my breath and my stomach, and my shoulders. That's always my, how my body tells me if something's constricting. And if you feel constriction, you don't have to get rid of it. It's just about noticing first. And unless you speak when we have time to share, your face won't make it into the recording. So even though we are recording, if you want to have your camera on, you, you're still going to be going to be only a one-time thing that we see you. It won't be recorded. 
that might um, help some of you want to be here visually, but you don't have to be. So just taking another like half minute just to feel in where we are as we land here, then I'm going to orient you toward my team. And then we're going to start diving into this fawning work. And while you're landing, I want you to really notice places that feel good, places that feel easy to breathe into, places that feel easily supported. So noticing what's holding you, noticing what you like about the room you're sitting in, because you're looking at this virtual room, but this is your actual space, the one you're sitting in. So seeing what the difference is when you take a break from the screen, and you feel in, and you look around, and you come back to the screen eventually, just seeing how the body responds to those little breaks can be really helpful. Because while you're learning, and I'm talking, and people are sharing, you'll notice your body getting activated sometimes. You'll feel that pressure rise, or that dissociation, or that numbness. And that's okay. Just when you feel that, you can remind yourself you have all this resourcing around you. You have the thing holding you. You have the room you're in. You have your breath. And at any time you can detach from this experience and move away, turn your camera off, walk. So even just pausing to notice that agency your body has, it's one of the best things about virtual spaces is you really can hold your own physical boundary of where you live and where you are. But we don't know that until we check in with that boundary and see what it feels like. So the first thing I want to do is just in introduce you to everybody. So I'm Luis, and I'm the founder of Holistic Life Navigation, and I'm the one that's been sending you all those emails that you've been getting about the fawning series, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what we're learning and what we're wondering and what's kind of showing up in our bodies with this. A big part of my work is weaving the experiences of people in these sessions because every body has a really unique way it experiences somatic work, right? It's individual to your body. So I'm sending out these exercises and these philosophies and this education and how your body digests that and what it does with it is highly individual and unique. So just make sure you realize how important your voice is in the session too. What you share, what you ask, that furthers my understanding and a lot of our understandings around this work as we dive into it together more. I will ask Marika to come off mute and she'll introduce herself to you. Hi, I'm Marika. I'm uh, an assistant to Luis and uh, take care of operations uh, at the business. And so, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Love to fawn. <laughs> Marika is also our official uh, comedy relief. She gives us a lot of comical relief, which is really helpful. Um, Evan, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So hi, everyone. My name is Evan. Uh, I do the admin and uh, tech IT stuff here. Um, so if you have any questions around that, if you send an email as a response to any of the emails you get, it'll be me who responds. Um, and I also do sound healings through um, the six-week course and through the memberships uh, here at HLM. Yeah, one thing that makes our space really, really unique, and it's only very new, is uh, Evan's beautiful sound healings. He does a live sound healing in the course and in the membership space. And it's so wonderful. We're going to offer some of those to the public this year. So um, if you're not in membership or you're not in one of the courses, you'll still be able to enjoy those. So just look out for that. Um, we also have Camille Leek, who's just not here. She's in a training right now, um, but she's the community manager. So she does a lot of the Q&As. She does a lot of the 
we have this private circle space we use in membership and in the course. She monitors that and manages that. Um, and she is soon going to have her third baby. But that's not why she's not here. She's just doing other things. It's just another uh, piece of her experience right now. So even just feel what it's like to orient to us, because depending on how you know us, some of you have worked with us, some of you have been in membership with us for a while. Some of you are just finding this work from Instagram or from an ad or from someone forwarded you a you know, email that I've sent out. So these are the faces you know, behind the screen. That's all. We're a little, little company. We do a lot of things, but it's just a few of us. And just seeing what, how that lands in you as you see us, where that goes in your body, where that takes you. Mm. What we're going to play with today, we have a good amount of time. We have almost 90 minutes. We started right at 12. We're going to start just exploring a bit of fawning live. So I'm going to teach some things, share some things, do maybe an exercise or two. And then we'll have moments of pausing where we can hear some of your experiences. Um, particularly what you're learning from this uh, series. I really want to use that as a prompt to hold us so we know what our intention is as we're sharing. So you can look at an email, you can think of an exercise, you can think of somewhere your body took you, and that can be part of your intention of what you share as we go into this. There are two modes of sharing. One is you can press the raise hand button when it's time to share, and Marika will call on people in order that she finds. I shouldn't say in order. We, we <laughs> Marika's really good at calling people somatically because she chooses people that she's never heard from before. She chooses people that are unique. She chooses people that she hasn't seen the space or hear them speak. So we try to give everyone a, a, let's say, a platform to hear all the different diverse experiences we have. So it may not be in order you raise your hand, but there is an order at hand. And um, she will choose that order. And then Evan, you can DM him directly. So if something's coming up with you and you really want to say it in, in the chat, you can write to him. The chat is not public. It's a private chat. So no one else will see it. He'll keep it anonymous. You can ask him questions. You can give him comments. He will be managing and watching that. Okay. So those are the two ways you can communicate with us in this um, big live space we're having right now. Let's start with just feeling into the mechanism of fawning. Kind of want to go back to the basics, right? And what makes it really unique is it's a, what we call a hybrid trauma response. Two things happen at once. My body constricts or freezes against a place that wants to express, right? And then performs a place that would make you feel better. So I'm going to say this again. Part of me constricts to hold back my truth that doesn't feel safe to express. And then another part of me performs that has nothing to do with my truth. It just serves to make you happy, to please you, to appease you. So perfect example, um, a friend said, do you want to go out tomorrow night? And I say, yes, right? And I really mean no. I didn't even have a second to think about it, right? Like, yes, I would love to. The yes, I would love to, it's reflexive and it's to reflect their need back to them. They want me to go out with them. So to make them happy, I say yes. That keeps everything really nice and peaceful. Meanwhile, let's say in my stomach, there's a pressure, there's a density, there's a constriction happening. We can literally think of constriction in the body as a bracing. It's a wall the body creates with the fascia, with the ligaments, with muscles, joints, it gets tight to brace and push something inwards. When it comes to fawning, what's being pushed inwards, our honest expression. Why would our body do that? Because we have a history of honest expression not being met in a, a safe way. Whether it was a physical threat, an emotional threat, 
a threat to your security. It could be financial, it could be you know romantic, could be emotional, relational. There's lots of ways the body experiences threat. It doesn't have to be physical, right? So if my expression might sever something that feels safe for me and I my body likes to fawn, it will reflexively constrict and pull back what wants to really be said based on my capacity and needs. So my capacity, my needs might be, I don't want to go out. I'm really tired. I just want to lay down and listen to music all night. That has nothing to do with the other person. That's my body's needs. Yet, when we've been fawning for a long time reflexively, we don't even know these parts of ourselves. Because when we trauma respond, we also dissociate. We also feel numbness. We also separate from our felt sense of what's happening because it's automatic. That's part of the mechanism of a trauma response. We're not embodied in choosing to have the trauma response. It's just happening. And that's why with fawning afterwards, there's all this shame. Like, why did I do that? Why didn't I stick up for myself? Why didn't I say what I needed? Why didn't I yell? Why didn't I ask for help? It's you didn't have the choice to. And if we could really truly understand the fawning mechanism somatically in society, it would change so many things, so many ways that we teach and educate children, the way we um, prosecute people in the courtroom for assault and different offenses, the way we blame people that didn't yell or scream or fight, so much would just change because we understand it's an automatic response. It's not a chosen one. So I want us to first start with that really feeling that not just thinking about it but let your body show you where you've experienced that so you know what i'm talking about and as you think about it notice the charge like your body will just immediately show you that constriction i was talking about if you think about a time recently that you fawned a certain person that you fawned with when you witness someone else fawning whatever your mind's giving you right now whatever image notice where in your body you feel a constriction where you feel a pressure and just pausing to notice that. And as you're noticing it, this is part of understanding the reflexiveness of trauma response. You're noticing it. You're not doing it. It's super subtle, that difference. None of you, if you're feeling that constriction now in your belly or your chest or your shoulders or your face, none of you decided to constrict there. It's just happening, right? It's happening inside of you and you're witnessing it right now. This is what I mean about the somatic experience of a reflex and what I teach as the sovereign body. The body chooses in these cases. None of you wake up and design what you're going to be stressed about. Your body is just stressed. So part of this work is self-relating work, which means I identify through felt sense how my body's constricting, it's choosing that, and how my conscious mind witnesses that. When you can separate those two, body from who you are, body from identity, body from conscious mind, then you have this inner relationship that emerges, right? Then you have this witness of, whoa, my chest is really tight. Let me be with that part of me compared to my chest is tight. I'm constricted, I'm angry, I'm fawning. No, the body is fawning. And it seems like, you know, semantics, but it's, it's really true. It's like, if you notice it for yourself, there's a big difference. Even say it with me right now, no one will hear you because you're all muted. You can say, I'm fawning and just feel that. And then just say, my body is fawning and feel that. 
and just notice the difference. Yeah, and I see some self-touch, like notice what the difference is in the body, where it is, how your body responds to that. There's something magical, and I call it psychedelic, about being able to speak about our experiences through these terms because we're entering the witnesser more than we're entering the identity of being the body and its reflexes. No one says, I'm a sneeze. No one says that. No one. And I, don't, I haven't met anyone that feels shame when they sneeze. No, you sneeze. It's like, yep, I sneezed. I yawned. I stretched. I got thirsty. Trauma response is the same thing. The body is reflexively choosing something to help you survive, to help you manage stress. Identifying with it is just as silly as saying, I'm a sneeze. I'm angry or there's anger somewhere inside of me. It just starts to change your life. And when it comes to fawning, so much shame and guilt gets overcoupled with it because we identify as the fawner as the nice one, as the one that's here to help and fix. When really, it's something our body's doing. It has very little to do with us until we start getting conscious with it, right? So one other thing I want to take us through, or maybe many other things, but the next thing that's coming to me is just the kind of, and you might all want a pillow for this. Actually, let's start there. If you can, grab a pillow. If you don't have a pillow, you can use a blanket or a jacket. You can use your hands. If you don't have any of those, and we're just, if you're using your hands, it's a hand over the chest and the belly. If it's a pillow or some kind of bunched up fabric, it's over the chest and belly as well. And we just want to create a little bit of pressure. So whether it's direct touch or there's fabric there, just a little pressure. It's holding that to you. And just letting the body take a moment to feel that support of whatever's there. Now, some bodies really get overwhelmed with that support. If that's you, just throw the pillow. Don't worry about it. But if it's not, just feel it. Because I'm going to ask us to go into something, and we want to have that support of that pillow first. So let's feel our feet. Let's feel the pillow. Let's take a moment to look around the room so we can see where we are right now. So whenever your body gives you a memory or an experience that already has happened, your body will go there. The whole thing will go there really quickly or parts of it really loudly. So if we first realize where we are now and we root into that sensationally, it's much easier to let the body show us information without getting overwhelmed, right? So while we're feeling where we are now, just let the body show you an experience where your truth was dangerous. And it could be simple. It could be as simple as um, your mother hung up the phone on you and it felt dangerous. It was overwhelming. It was painful. Or it could have been, yeah, you're actually in danger because of your truth, how you present in the world, how you talk, what you believe in. There's so many different ways we can experience this. Just let your body show you one because the body might show you a hundred. Start with one. And if it's too much, let the body show you an easier one. You can ask for an easier one. But just feel into that pillow. And this is the beginning of getting some compassion for the fawning response. Okay? This memory that's coming up, this experience, might have been a thousand of them, might have been one, doesn't matter. Right? And when I say doesn't matter, I mean it doesn't validate you more or less if you had less or more of these. Just seeing it's from this experience, these experiences, that the body will reflexively people please. Because it, it, it saves you 
from having a part of you be seen because in the past that didn't really go very well, right? So let's just feel into that, witnessing that for ourselves, seeing where that takes us. I would love some people sending a sentence or two to Evan in a DM, what's your body showing you? What was the situation? This will help us get a little collective weaving around what it is that we're going into. I'm just, I'm pausing for a couple minutes for those of you that want to pause more. If you want to share, go for it. He'll just start sharing once they come through. And they will be anonymous. So you don't have to worry about that. I have a hard time associating a thought with a feeling in their body. Telling my mom I wasn't going to take that job. Salt. I feel cut off from my mother. Sharing the truth about my sexuality with my mother. Years of living in domestic abuse. Holding boundary with my mother. My body being violated. My mother walking out after boundary break, collapsing and panicking on a plane, feeling panicked. I had a rush of urgency around something a supervisor said. Having someone yell at me when I told them the rules. Being polite to a therapist who was hurting me. Falling in love with a friend and out of love with a partner at the time. My mother was narcissistic and never cared about what I said. Working as a nurse, holding my breath, bracing. I constantly have to make myself small. This comes from my dad constantly criticizing my mother. Let's pause there, Evan. So just let's all witness those in our own bodies. Just seeing like, ooh, which ones did I relate to? Which ones were mine? Maybe they took you to a memory if you weren't able to find one. Maybe it took you to a place. These are all examples of people's bodies and the sensation of our body, right? With the support of the pillow and this intention, bringing them back to a situation that was really overwhelming. And in a lot of those situations, the overwhelm was because a relational threat due to truth, due to expression. So when our life or our livelihood could be threatened because of a truth of expression, the body learns to fawn. It's an ancient mechanism. It's not just societal. It seems like it would be, but it's not. I, I, I often will use the example of a dog growling at someone and someone smiling and backing up going, nice doggy, nice doggy. That's like a primitive example of fawning. It has nothing to do with civilization. That's just animal to animal, right? So fawning is primitive. It's in the body. It's in the bones. It becomes societal, cultural, it, part of our civilization, you know, in these examples we're hearing, because it enters the fabrics of many different worlds relationally, because we're very relational, we depend on each other for a lot. So it comes in. But it gets born in these situations where the body's like, oh, that didn't work well for me. I lost something. I got hurt. I was abused. I was abandoned. Some threat occurred when I spoke what was true for me. So the body learns very quickly through something called neuroception, what this body in front of you wants to hear, how it wants you to smile, how it wants you to nod. And again, it's reflexive, right? The body's learning all this. You're not writing notes and figuring it out. Your body is. 
So when you start fawning, when your body starts fawning, what you learn very quickly is how much easier life can be in one way, because you're not dealing with ruptures, you're not dealing with controversy, you're not dealing with the ending of relationships, possible abuse, like there's all these good reasons why the body would fawn. But what's happening somatically is a lot of pressure and pain and anger is building up. So on the outside, it looks like awesome, things are working out, you know, my relationships are good, everyone's happy with me, I'm likable, I'm successful, like all these different things can occur from falling. Inside the body, there's more and more of a detachment between the nature of what wants to come out and what performs as if it's you. Okay, so I want us to hear that again. Your nature, your truth in that moment that wants to come out compared to the performance that pretends to be your desire, your truths, your feelings, your, your needs and wants. Okay. And that performance, especially when this starts at a young age in childhood, we think that performance is what we want. So we've actually believed the fawning mechanism as much as the people our bodies are falling with. And that's what makes it so tricky and strange is when I did this for years, you'll say things like, I love this role I play. You know, for example, like, I love being the helper. I love making everybody feel safe. I love knowing no matter what you need, I will be there. I love that your needs come first. That was literally my story that I had to keep telling myself so I could justify the fawning mechanism. And then when you start to feel into that and you realize it's a mechanism, it's not consensual between me and my body, it's my body taking over. I don't hate that part now, but I understand, oh, it's having a, a survival response. So now I get to teach my body the difference between needing it to survive and needing it to feel comfortable, which is what I want to start going into next. Because discomfort can feel like threat sensationally. The same bio biochemistry happens of adrenaline and blood pressure and activation and the constriction of your veins and vessels. The same biology occurs when I say something to you that offends or triggers you as if you're running after me to hurt me. The same thing happens. So we, we can't even begin to kind of like dissect this and uncouple this unless we understand there is a big difference between discomfort and threat. Because when you stop fawning, when your body stops fawning, people will be uncomfortable, including you. And that charge that comes up from just the nature of disagreement and being disliked and saying something controversial, if you don't have a way to relate to that charge, guess what happens? Your body reflexively goes into fawning. So you can't help it. It's like the capacity for the charge of discomfort relationally is step one before you can just stop fawning. And this is why I don't, I don't work from the ideas of willpower. I work from the body. You can say all you want, I wanna stop doing this pattern. And maybe you can even will that. You can fight against your body's urge. Eventually, it just takes over again because it's so embedded in the nervous system. So it's about teaching the nervous system, oh, actually, you're safe in discomfort. You're safe in disagreement. You're safe in being disliked. I have a history of years and years and years of bullying, right? To put it mildly. And in those many, many years of bullying, being disliked wasn't safe. If I was disliked, my life felt like it was on the line. Maybe it could have been certain experiences. Being disliked now, not so much depending on the experience, but the two get overcoupled. 
So again, this term overcoupling I'm using, if you're new to that term, it just means my body creates an association with something. It says this must equal this due to past traumatic events. So someone dislikes me and I get beat up, let's say, right? My body now says, don't ever let someone dislike you because that's what's going to happen. It becomes a guarantee. And when it becomes a guarantee, it becomes a reflex, which means when my body has the guarantee, being disliked means being harmed. I will never allow someone to dislike me again. My body will do everything it can do to keep you from disliking me. And for me, that was fawning, right? Which again, the hybrid experience, a part of me freezes that wants to express and a part of me performs to keep you liking me because it feels safe to be liked understandably due to my experiences. So I want us to pause there and come back to yourself and notice what experiences of mine taught me being disliked was really scary was unsafe, was threatening. Where do you have that in your body? You might still have it today. You might have experienced this a week ago. Like where has your life experience showed you that being disliked was dangerous? And just feel into that. Use your pillow if you need to, if a lot comes up. If it's manageable, just use your breath and look around the room if you need to, to stay connected to where you are. But we're just getting to learn the roots of why our bodies fawn, why our bodies want people to like us. So what I want us to do is as we're seeing this, as we're getting this example, as we're feeling into this experience of, oof, yeah. I remember when not being liked was really dangerous. This thing happened. Just feeling where your body feels that thing right now. Where do you feel the tension? What part of you numbs out? Where do you feel pain or fear or overwhelm? And just put a hand there. And this is what I call somatic time traveling, right? So we put our hand there. And we don't have to go back to the event right now mentally. We can be with it sensationally. Let your eyes look where you are now. Let your body feel where you are now and see what it's like to touch into this historical experience in your body from where you are now. This isn't to say historical doesn't mean it didn't happen an hour ago, but an hour ago would be historical. If it's not right now in this moment with me on this call, it's historical. So we want to feel into where that exists in us from where we are and just see what happens. Nothing has to happen. Just notice the difference. Here I am here right now. And I'm holding that place that's still reverberating. I'm holding that echo of this past experience of a major threat around being disliked. And at your own pace, again, go into the DMs to Evan. Just tell us what happens in your body, whether it's cognitive, whether it's sensational, emotional, whatever it is. What happens as you connect to that place from where you are right now? I feel sadness, numbing out, dissociation. Body feels held, seen. I feel my neck and shoulders tighten. Softening. Tightness in my throat area, constriction throughout my core. The pain feels cradled. 
I feel constricted in my chest, upper back, and belly like I'm crouching. Tightening in the wrists, softening beneath the sternum. Throat and upper chest constrict. It feels more physical, like I'm holding it rather than it holding me. Let's pause right there. So when I want to hear that, I'm holding it rather than it holding me. That doesn't mean those of you feeling the opposite are doing anything wrong. What we want to see is there's a difference when I'm here in the now without the threat. There's a new resource. There's a part of me, a place in me that can now hold this place that lives in me. Not the place that's happening now outside of me, right? But the place inside of me. So those of you who feel that constriction, the throat getting tense, the, the, the gesture, the pain, the numbness, the overwhelm, let's take it a step further and really attune to something in the room you like. Find one thing in the space you're sitting in that you like, that you think is beautiful, that makes you happy, that makes you laugh, that makes you feel pleasure, whatever it is. And notice where in your body you feel that. Where do you feel this thing you like? Where and what does it feel like? And put your other hand there. So you have one hand or, or awareness, if your hand can't reach, over the place that feels activation, that feels like overwhelmed. And another hand or awareness over the place is like, oh, I feel good in this space. I like where I am right now. Two different feelings that you're gaining. And again, we're not doing this to change anything. We're just seeing how much more of me can I access. Those of you reporting just the constricted feelings, that's what you're accessing right now. That's okay. Can you additionally, not instead, can you also access the places that feel safe right now? And you look for those. Take a moment. I see a lot of yawning. And when I see a lot of yawning, that usually means some safety is being accessed. Yawning is parasympathetic. So it's a great way the nervous system downregulates. So if you feel a yawn, like it is not impolite. It's a good thing here. Yawn as big and as much as you want. And if you're not, it's okay. We really, like I said earlier, each body has an individual response. So some are going to feel really like, oh, wow, I felt that place I liked and something's shifting in me. Others are going to be like, I can't even think of anything I like. My body's in so much stress right now. Your body's not doing anything wrong. That's okay. You're just all learning the amount of overwhelm, how much space this takes up in your body, right? So take your time. And again, would love some feedback to Evan via the chat. What happens when you identify that place that's soft, that place that feels safe, in addition to the place it doesn't? I can't say how important it is here. We're not bypassing the stress inside. We're adding to it with, well, what else do I feel? Pleasant tingling in my stomach. The frozen part is surrounded with warmth. Trees outside the window invite a deep sense of calm in my legs and arms. There is a spreading, there is relief and more spaciousness. It's amazing to be able to feel them both at the same time. What a paradox. My hands and feet feel safe. Feeling into them helps me be present. Heart feels partially filled with warmth. My breath slows down, my chest softens, feeling like letting go of something. Constriction lessens softness and expansion in my chest, fluidity. 
Let's pause there. So just noticing the difference in responses when we can access a place that feels safe. And I love how that someone said, what a paradox, because we would never think that exists. If you would have told me when I was dealing with panic attacks every day, there was a place in me that felt safe, I would have never believed you. What happens is this activation is so loud and so big that it's the main focus. It's not all of us. It's a big feeling in us. So the throat might be constricted. The belly might feel tense. The shoulders do this. Well, what about my waist down? What about my ears? What about maybe not my chest, but what about my heart and my lungs? There's all these other parts of us. Sometimes it's even in the same place, like your belly feels tense. And then deeper inside, it softens. There can be layers to a place. There's so much nuance when we start working with the body in this way. And it, it is a completely new way of understanding this creature we inhabit, these bodies. Because when you feel that rush, like we all just felt when we thought of a situation where being disliked was dangerous, that rush anchors us into the past sensationally. And when it anchors us into the past, it colors our present. It tones our present with those same emotions and expectations. So in a room where I'm all alone and everything's beautiful and I'm safe, it feels threatening. But it's not the room that's threatening. It's the threat that still reverberates in me from these past experiences. And those sensations anchor us there. So this is why when we get curious and we look around where we are now, and we start feeling, oh, well, there's like a tree. Oh, I feel a tree in my stomach. Wow, I didn't even feel my stomach before. And it starts like anchoring here and you start feeling safer. Those sensations of safety anchor you to now. Because in this moment, again, right here, all of the UI can see on the screen, no one is in a life threat in this moment. Might be in the future. Might be in the past. Right now, it's not happening. You can look around and let your environment prove that to you. If there was a, suddenly a big explosion or someone was banging on your door or there was like a wild animal running through your house, that would be the time to feel a threat response. That would be the appropriate time to run and scream and throw something and ask for help or shut down and freeze or fawn, right? So what we're doing with our bodies, and this is, has everything to do with what we're speaking about with fawning, we're learning. If I can feel my now, some of me releases that charge. And when the charge comes down, my reflexes come down. So what does this have to do with us? I love using grocery store examples because I worked at grocery stores for so long. And so whenever I would go to one, I would see all my clients because I was a nutritionist, a lot of wellness centers and health food stores. And so my clients would be there shopping. They would all come up to talk to me and I would fawn. I wasn't on the clock. I wasn't working. I didn't want to talk about their problems, but I did, right? So doing this practice we just did, I could notice here they come up to me. They want to tell me their story about their body or what they need help with. I feel the reflexive urge that that urgency, it's not, a, it's not a pleasure. It's an urgency to respond and to react and to um, interact, right? And relate. I could feel that urgency. And then I could scan the room with that urgency and notice right now I'm safe. I'm just shopping. If I walk away from this person, they're not going to run after me and scream at me. Highly unusual, right? If they would. And being able to attune to where I was now allowed my nervous system to not be the 12-year-old in sixth grade, right? But I was able to be like the 28-year-old and feel, oh, okay, there's some oranges. Like I'm in the produce section. There's some oranges. This bananas smell really good. Oh, there's one of my coworkers I really love. 
my body just settles. And when the body starts settling, it doesn't change what's happening. That person is still coming at me to talk, right? But the settling gives me more space. So I get to have choice. I get to say, I'm not working right now. I get to say, I, I love talking to you and I'm on the clock. I'm, I have 10 minutes. I need to just get groceries. If I didn't have that space inside of me, I would reflexively fawn. This is true for all trauma responses, by the way. Fight, flight, freeze, collapse. True for all of them. I'm just focusing on fawning for us here. So if we can get this practice down just a couple minutes a day of feeling that threat of being disliked, I'm just using disliked for now, that threat of disliked, and let ourselves feel that from the present moment of not being in threat, that will start to teach your body that you can hold both at once. And when you can hold both at once, you're holding a part of you that's activated that wants you to fawn, and you're holding a part of you that has the capacity to not fawn. And just like chemistry, just like alchemy, they kind of swirl inside of you, and they start neutralizing each other. So it dilutes a little bit and the pressure comes down and then you have your thinking still, you're still conscious. When that pressure reaches that ceiling, consciousness goes out the window, you dissociate and you fawn. And that's why like, uh, if we think of it systemically or systematically in the body, you can't control your fawning. You can be aware of it as it's starting up. You can notice it after it happened. But in the moment, you're so highly dissociated, you don't have much control. As you start to reassociate, like a lot of you just did, just by feeling where you are, that's all you have to do. Just by feeling where you are, you start associating to where you are, and then you're no longer unconscious of what's happening. You're feeling your fawning. You're noticing the words come out of your mouth. You can stop them and be like, whoa, I'm, I'm sorry. I know I just said I, yes, but I actually need a minute. Let me think. You get this agency that you didn't have before because you were dissociated. I just want to look at the people who I can see. Just a hand up if that makes sense. So let's see who's following me. Excellent. Beautiful. So let's just take a moment to feel that. Let's just feel in our bodies. What, what does that feel like as we understand this, as we let it swirl through us? Okay, take a moment. And even as you're taking that moment, take in your surroundings. Like what parts of you are okay being where you are right now? Feel the softness that brings. All that softness is, is your body saying, I don't have to brace and get ready to fight for my life. That's what softness is. And it's a great diagnostic tool because if you're in a safe space, right? Like visually or cognitively, like, okay, I know I'm safe here. That's one thing. Does your body, is your body able to release here? Is your body able to breathe? Can it take in where you are and feel settled or is there an anxiety inside? Nothing wrong with you if there is anxiety inside. You're just learning how much your body has been carrying. Okay, and if you're carrying that anxiety all through the day for years, that fawning mechanism is going to be right there, ready to go every time you interact with somebody. So we build that capacity to be disliked by first building our capacity to be here. Because once we're here, we have more resourcing in us. We have more agency. And that, it becomes like a balm. It soothes those places that are really abrasive and afraid of what it might mean if you say no or disagree or say how you feel. Okay. Just pause for a moment. Just do one more look around, take in your surroundings, see what you're feeling. 
I want to go into one more short little piece, and then we're going to open up some some input. Um, it can be misunderstood the more you learn and talk about fawning to think that compliments are fawning, to think that telling someone what you like about them is fawning, to laugh and have a great time with someone is fawning. And so it can get kind of, you can get confused and concerned thinking like, is everything just fawning? I want to highlight for us the easiest way to understand this and to discern in our own bodies is one word, reflexive. Okay. I'll add another word to that one automatic. So that's what I want us to really feel into. If I compliment you, is it automatic? Is it reflexive? If I laugh at your joke, is it automatic? Is it reflexive? It's not the act itself that makes it fawning. What makes it fawning is it's an automatic reflexive response to appease you. If what I'm doing is not to appease you, if what I'm doing is chosen and it just unfurls from me and I'm connected as I'm doing it, I'm not having to um, recover from being with you afterwards, chances are I'm not falling. And as you're learning, it's, it's going to be difficult at first. You're going to be like, what's real and what isn't? You'll learn in time. Your body will teach you. And one of the best ways it will teach you is what I just said. If it's reflexive, if there's constriction with it, if you're dissociating with it, if you have to recover from it, that's how you know something automatic was happening, something beyond your capacity was taking place. I could compliment you for an hour and mean every drop of it and be totally connected to myself, my heart open, I feel alive as I'm doing it. Or I could compliment you for two minutes and I could feel constricted, I could feel nervous, I could feel dissociated and exhausted after seeing you. And that started being my way to learn for myself. Was I exhausted after spending time with someone? Or did I feel like nurtured and centered, even excited? in a way that was really nice and alive, but wasn't exhausted like I had to recover. I used to have to recover just from a tea with a friend for an hour. So really noticing we have to recover because that automatic performance is, takes a lot of energy. The nodding, the laughing, the, oh my God, me too. Like all the work we put out there to try to make this person like us or think we like them. It's a lot of energy. It's a straight up performance. Like if you were on stage, it exhausts you, really exhausts you. So it's good to just let that be some way we can start discerning as we get curious, like what's what? Now, what I'd like to do is pause and just do a little like 15 minutes of weaving so I can hear some input. What have you learned? So far from the series, what questions do you have? What's coming alive in your body? There's an example of you getting through a situation not fawning or an example of you realizing, whoa, I always thought it was real, but it was fawning. I'd love to hear it. Um, I might, depending on where they go, we might go into a demo at some point, but I just want to start by hearing where we are. Please know you're being recorded. This will be shared in a replay with thousands and thousands of people, and it will be added to YouTube, and it will be on my podcast. So it's a live public session. It's just for the people on the list right now, but I want to share with people so they can learn more about fawning. So if you're cool with that, raise your hand. You'll be seen and heard. If you want to be heard and not seen, turn off your camera. You can change your name even. And if you want to, be, if you want to express without being heard or seen, you can write to Evan. And he'll respond uh, in his voice. He'll speak what you asked for in his voice. So I'm going to start with Marika. She'll call and people have their hands up first. Elena, please come off mute. Me? 
Yeah, thank you. Hi. Thank you. Um, so one is a, a really quick comment about how I'm kind of learning to take time, which is a part of what you're saying of paying attention to what happens in my body and just staying with this charge. But I guess I have a question because one of my phoning mechanisms is to listen because it's also part of my job. And as I started, you know, noticing how much I do it, I kind of went to the other side. So when people were approaching me, because they always felt good when I listened to them, I started kind of putting like not stronger boundaries, but I don't know, stricter boundaries, if that makes sense. And I'm not sure where the balance lies between that part that needs to stay, you know, between that um, not phoning state and that part that needs to connect. Yeah, let's. I love that question, um, and I really like how you opened the question first about time, allowing for more time. I just wanted everyone to hear that for a moment, because the body works in much slower ways than the mind does right? And the calendar and our, our week does. It's very different pace, right? The pace of the earth is the pace of the body. It's a different kind of unfurling. So time is so important when you're doing somatic work. And that's the most frustrating thing because the linear idea of healing is like this and this should equal this. That's not how the body is. So I just wanted to kind of re-highlight that. If we could just hear that time, it takes time and giving the body time and space is super important. This is a great question because this happens to all of us when we start doing this work. We might notice getting overboundaried. That's my word, not yours. But it's like where we, like you said, you swing to the opposite place. I want us to hear that through the through the lens of protection. Okay, so think about how if we were our bodies were reflexively fawning. This means our bodies used their resources, right? Our faces, our hearts, our words, our time to our capacity in a performative way to make someone happy, even if it was for our job, right? It's maybe especially for our job. There's an exhaustion somewhere in there in those parts that are frozen or, or numb. So that protection, when you finally realize I'm safe, I don't have to do this. It seems like I go this whole other edge. And I think that's healthy at first because there's this protection that comes up in us that says, now I can protect all these parts that were exploited. And that's what I experienced. The fawning mechanism, and I, I use these harsh words because that's just how I experienced it. It exploits the way we relate to people so we can survive an experience. It's not a negative thing. It sounds negative, but it, that's what it's doing, right? It's using all these things of what would be natural and real for us. And it's putting in this concentrated moment so someone can like us, and not hurt us. So we can advance in our jobs, whatever the situation is. So when the body realizes they don't have to do that anymore, Part of the way it finally starts healing is it gets super protective of those resources. It says, you're not going to use those lips anymore to smile. <laughs> you're not going to use that head anymore to nod. Like you're going to pull back and get some rest. So I want us all to hear that so we can think for ourselves, wow, that swing that might occur, that's how my body's getting some rest after decades of performing. And once it gets some rest from that rest, um, what we call authenticity, our nature will emerge. You'll authentically listen when you have capacity and you won't when you don't. 
And that second part is very inconvenient for the other. You know, when we decide, I don't have capacity to listen or do this anymore, the other is going to experience charge in their body. And that's when that work of capacity for that rupture for us comes in. Thank you for that, Alina. I really appreciate that. Ray, please come off mute. Thanks, Marika. Hi, Luis. It's great. It's so to good to see your face. And be in circle with you again. Um, I've loved this series, so thank you. It's been really aligned with the work I'm doing as a one on one practitioner. So I just wanted to share one is that the self compassion has been huge as I've been slowing down and being able to like witness these moments in my own freeze. And the thing that has helped me um, both being gentle with myself, but also how I've noticed that I'm fawning, the thing that's happening for me is anger. You know, just years of like suppressed rage and anger. And so I've been listening to my body to say a boundary has been crossed in that moment. I could not, like I was frozen. And sometimes I've had awareness, but like often it's been after me, like that thing really didn't feel good in my body. I'm going to give this a couple of days to like to percolate and settle out. And then it like the body begins to show me and tell me and when I've like metabolized and let that rage just like get as big as it wants and not affect it, but just be with that, it is, um, and then give myself permission to sometimes go back to these relationships or these moments and say, hey, this thing that happened, like it wasn't okay with me. Here's what I need in the future going like forward. But I just, um, yeah, I've been so proud of myself because this has felt so I mean, it's been so healing, but like such a, just such a different way of being and letting my, that like fury just like direct to say, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Like, I'm not going to be this, this like nice guy or like, however, this like vision I've had of myself. And it's, um, yeah, I just, I don't like, again, celebrating myself so much. And then just, I think your wisdom and guiding along and the like gentleness and present with all of this so thank you as always and um yeah good to be here so beautiful so good to have you uh, i just you said so much i was writing things down because um i want everyone to hear what he said about rage like it's so important being with it instead of expressing it that, that's a really important distinction there right because exactly what he said. It's a boundary violation when we fall. It's meant to be. So I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. If my boundary is no, and my no means something that will happen to me if I say it, my body is smart enough to know I'm going to let your boundary be violated so you survive here, right? So I fawn instead. Every time I fawn, every time my body fawns, it's a little tiny boundary violation, right? Because my need and what's important and what I actually require in that moment doesn't get expressed, it gets repressed. So the thing that should come out at the other, not in a, a negative way, but just out to be seen, gets pushed back in me and the body feels a little violation. It feels an overwhelm from that. That feels like anger, which becomes rage, which becomes resentment. So when we're working with fawning and we start getting somatically aware, just like Gray said, you start to feel your rage. And it's, I have found it's not helpful for me to express my rage on the people because they're not the source of it. They're reminding me of it. They're part of my fawning mechanism, but it's not their fault. I have rage from the thousands of people my body fawned with, right? And it's not my fault. It's my responsibility to be with the rage. So I love that he said that so we could really understand we're here to not, not push any of these parts of us away, 
But to be with it first, going back to what Elena said, it's time, giving it time to see how it wants to move through me, what it wants to say that it never couldn't say. And then a little more space is carved out. Then you're fawning a little less. Then over time, there's a little less rage. Then there's just much more space inside of you. So again, thank you, Gray. It was really, really beautiful wisdom. Um, Irene, please come off mute. Thank you. Um, Luis, first, thank you for this wonderful offering. I'm relatively new to you. And this has been such a gift because it's uh, it, it's opening everything. My question is, um, I have done some other work with other programs. So I understand functional freeze now in a way that I never did. Um, I have early developmental trauma at six months, and um, I've lived my life as someone else. I, I guess I'm I'm just a complete fawner. As I've gotten more aware, I used to call it people pleasing, and I've tried to, but but never at the root like you're helping us see. You know, just the, and so between attachment disorder and functional freeze and fawning. To me, they're all mixed up together, and maybe that's okay, but if there's anything that you have to offer, because right now you've offered some concrete things that I know I can do, so that's anything that I feel like I can really get it and do, hallelujah. Other things seem all like, uh, whatever. So that's the nature of my question, and thank you again. Well, could I actually ask you a question? Um, yes. Because I think what I've sent out and what we're talking about today is really a great place to start with the concrete of what to do. Yes. I would love to hear just in a minute or two in your own words, what are you learning about the relationship between the attachment disorder, the functional freeze and the fawning? Like, tell us your wisdom around how are those coming together for you? Well, they're just starting to come together now, actually right now. And I've read the other emails. And so it's been putting seeds. Oh yeah. I see. I do this. I do that. Maybe I'm not even living in functional freeze. Well, maybe I am, but I know I fawn all the time and I'm really beginning to see it for what it is and do my best in small steps because otherwise I just overwhelm myself. Like you said, it's the capacity and I haven't known that before. If I don't have it, then I just almost like re-traumatize myself because I'm in my head. Whoa, what does this person think? How that's right. There is a place in me where it does feel good, a tiny little place. <laughs> and the pen, the, the swinging between the two, places and being aware that I can be here and I'm safe right now and actually trying to feel it because I don't really feel inside of my body. And maybe that's the functional freeze. So actually, yeah. I haven't really learned much yet, but I am so ready. It's been a lifetime of well, you know, I, I love I love this. You know, there's so much you're saying. And as you're talking about that, I keep hearing Gabor Mate's statement of um, attachment over authenticity. And I just want us to all hear that. I'm going to say it again. Attachment over authenticity. Like that's fawning in a nutshell. My my The goal of my body when it's fawning is to create a secure attachment with who's in front of me, not to be authentic. And so when we're talking about this the attachment disorder start, or attachment rupture, I would even call it, um, starting you know six months old, 
when we have really early, and I'll just steal these terms a bit, when we're saying attachment disorder or rupture, we're, all it really means is my body didn't feel safe with your body growing up. So uh, another body that is um, supposed to help me feel secure, that's supposed to ground me, that's supposed to create safety or love, instead was either absent or created rupture, activation, abuse, fear, threat, all those other things instead. When you grow up with that, your, your sense of security is very limited. You didn't really get it. So your body learns how to get it, right? And so when we fawn, we can almost guarantee we're getting security. Unless that person is hip to fawning, which a lot of people aren't. And so if they're hip to it and they and they see us fawning, they might say like, I think you're just lying to me. I don't really think you want to do that thing that you're saying you want to do. But most people aren't. So they see us where our bodies are fawning, right? What they're getting is someone that's attaching to them. They're feeling seen. They're feeling like their needs are being met. They're feeling like they can rely on us. And that feels like security for us too. So our bodies will throw out authenticity to secure an attachment with somebody. And so as you're talking and you're saying you're feeling in this moment, this connection, that's where it goes for me. You know, I'll let you sit with that yourself and see where it takes you. And I think it's an important thing for us to know that when we have attachment ruptures and traumas from childhood with our caregivers, with our family, our parents, we will often fawn to create secure attachment in adulthood. And because fawning is highly rewarded, we get paid well for it, we get liked for it, we get friends for it. We have a lot of dopamine hits and securities and praise that actually come from that. We don't get that from freeze response. You know, freeze response we see as like lazy, unmotivated, which none of those are true. But with fawning, you're a, a great person in the world when you're fawning. So it's it's one reason why it's such a hard, difficult trauma response to identify and to uncouple and release because of the amount of praise and, and what it really brings us. It brings us a lot. So thank you for opening that piece of around attachment. That feels important to me too. And I'm, I'm so glad you found uh, what we're doing. Um, we're going to pause for a minute from any hands. I want to move to Evan. Do you want to speak, Evan, anything that's in there? Sure. We've gotten a bunch of questions, but there's just a few I'd like to get through that stood out to me. Um, well, first question, is fawning also masking for those of us with autism? I've gotten that question so, so much. And again... I would say to go into your body. It, it, the body is always the answer here for me. If it is reflexive and the goal is to make the other one feel better, the answer is yes. We can call whatever we want to, but the, the mechanism there is I perform so you're happy. That's what you're doing, then yes. I want to say that's what your body is doing. <laughs> I want to try to take the responsibility off of us so we can really get in touch with this mechanism because it is automatic. So also, when I set boundaries, I notice other people in my life begin to fawn. I dread those responses. Can you speak to this? I don't know. I'm sitting with that. I haven't heard that before, even though it's true. Um, that's it's a really good one. I from I get I'm thinking of my own experiences. I have so much compassion now for people who fawn because I did it for so long. I understand the mechanics. I understand it's mostly dissociative, not even aware they're doing it. So if I'm really honest with someone or I have a firm boundary and I see them, what I would call fawning, I always ask myself, well, is it what I think it is? It could be what I'm attaching to it. And if it is, if they are fawning, that has nothing to do with me. 
like I know from my own body, it had nothing to do with them. It was my body. So I know it has nothing to do with me. Um, but I don't let it be the basis of how we relate. Like I don't feed into it or anything. Yeah. Okay. Another one. I notice fawning tendencies, but I still set the boundaries I need to set. Will this feeling dis- discomfort of setting boundaries lessen over time? I'm thinking again of Elena's share around time and it, and what we did earlier with anchoring ourselves to the room. And we took a few minutes to do that. And a lot of you felt a shift starting to occur. This, the high sensation that comes with life events, um, death, birth, grief, illness, um, someone not liking us anymore, uh, rupture. These are all inevitable life events that we would go through. The high sensation to those doesn't tell me that we're not doing our work. It tells me we're alive. The work is being in relationship to those sensations. So the goal here is not to not feel. The goal is to, how may I say that? The goal isn't to not feel when you put a boundary down. You can feel. The goal is how do I sit with what I feel for my boundary and not fawn because I put up a boundary not going to freeze because I put up a boundary, not have to overeat like I would do to soothe because of the boundary. How can I be with the rupture that comes up in me when I set a boundary? That's what this practice is really about. If you're getting into somatics to try to get to a place where it's like, because mentally it feels like um, I have so much capacity, nothing bothers me. I don't believe that exists if you have a human body. Um, I think what it's about is if it bothers me, am I in relationship with it or does it run my life then? That's what feels really important to me. Do one more. Sure. Um, someone asks or says, uh, I still find it confusing how to relate to fawning when in a relationship with a narcissist. The fawning protects me from narcissistic abuse and keeps me happy so they don't attack me. So this is a loaded one because it's so unique. It's so so different for every every single uh, relationship and situation a person is in. Um, what it really comes down to for me is agency. And when I say agency, I mean, what's your ability to affect change that moment? If it's a relationship you're literally trapped in, like you have no other resources, you need this relationship, your fawning is what's helping you survive. And it, it, it is appropriate in that way. It doesn't mean you should just be in it for the rest of your life, but to have some of the the compassion of this is how my body navigates this experience that I can't get out of right now. That's a good thing, actually. You want to fall in that case. Now, if you're building your capacity to get out of a relationship like that, that's great. Once you have the resources, once you have the support, once you have the distance, then you can practice not falling with that person. If the person is, is not physically abusive, right? Let's say they're emotionally abusive. And you have the capacity to uncouple those two. You can tell the difference between them. You can recover from it. You want to stay in the relationship. You're going to therapy. You're both trying to change and this is their pattern. Then it's great to notice, I don't have to fawn because they have accountability for it. They want to change this in themselves. They want to heal it. So I'm giving these different answers because it's so different per situation. But it's always about agency. Number one, what's my actual agency? What's my capacity? Like we're hearing, because it can re-traumatize you if you're beyond your capacity. And when you notice that, honoring the fawning, because it's doing what it's supposed to do. If my agency and my reality with my narcissistic partner in this case is that I don't have to be with them, 
I can leave. They're not going to hurt me. I have my own financial independence. It's just they're really hard to relate to because the way they act toward me. My fawning doesn't serve me there because I'm not protecting myself from anything. It's reflexive, right? But when my livelihood, when my life, when my mental health is attached to this person, my fawning is serving me. And it, it might seem like a cop-out, but knowing that in those moments will help you remove the shame that the fawning brings, which means you'll recover faster, as you should, because fawning is, ne- is necessary in this case. And then when you recover quicker, you'll have your agency back to start building capacity to eventually getting out or transforming that relationship. Um, we have 20 minutes. I mean, <laughs> I would love to do a really simple drop-in demo with somebody so we can see the thing that we're talking about here. So what I'm going to ask is this. I'm going to ask if you want to do a demo, not to put your hand up yet, but if you want to do a demo to send a DM to Marika with two or three sentences, having a clear example of someone or somewhere that you fawn. So it's meaning it's a pattern. Okay. That's all I need. I don't need anything else other than that. But what's really important that you know as you get into this with me, we're only going to have 10 minutes, maybe less, but not more. You will be witnessed in front of people, right? And the goal is not to resolve your fawning. It's just to get some sense of what we're doing here with it, how we're feeling it, what it can teach us, what it looks like, how it feels if it resolves in this moment, okay? Um, So again, no expectations, just the desire to learn, to teach, to experience with me, if that feels like in alignment with you. So DM Marika two or three sentences of the situation so she can assess there's a clear situation and you're, 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 um, you're clear on your end, you know, with where you're fawning. So we could just dive in together. Okay, and while she does that, I'm going to ask us all just to take a moment and notice something in our bodies, okay? Which is if we think of a moment where we have fawned, or we fawn, or we can even see ourselves in the future doing it. Can we feel a signal in our body? Can we feel a gesture? Can we feel a posture or a sensation that tells us, that kind of says, well, you're going into that. You're going into that performative pleasing thing to feel safe. And just see it in your mind's eye. See the experience and then notice where do I feel that in my body? Can take just a minute and then we're going to move to Marika and um, she'll spotlight me and this person. But let's just take one more minute with this inquiry because I want us all to get this. So then when I go into the demo, we can do that with, um, with this person as well. Okay. So Marika, if you would like to spotlight me and this individual, then we can begin the short demo. Let's see. Leah, are you still up for doing the demo? You can unmute yourself, Leah, if, if you tried before, it's activated now. Okay. So let's just take a moment, Leah. And again, just like the question I asked everybody else, just even thinking for yourself, okay, where's this moment where I have fallen or where my body probably will again? Um, and even before that, if you just need a minute to attune with me, just because you're spotlighted and how that feels, you can tell me. What I want to do is get the chat off so we're bigger. There we go. Okay. Okay. So at your own pace, you tell us this. easy to tune into. Okay. (laughs) Good. Good. Tell us about it. Um, 
Well, so I'm a community manager in a pretty busy co-working space. And I can really relate with what you were saying about um, working in a space where people come and ask you things when you're not up for it. Um, and so that's the work environment that I'm in. And I've been trying to talk with my employer um, because I don't, I like just get so worn out because these are nine hour days. Mm. And um, so like at one point I negotiated to have like a four day work week to help with that. Start crying already. Okay. Um, Take your time. With it. And then like I kept I like talk to so many people to kind of gain perspective on like what I need there. And cause there's a lot of it that I like. Um, and like I prepared for this conversation and kind of like asked to have someone else cover the front desk for some of the time so that I could like not be on call every second. Mm-hmm. And that part of the conversation went well, but then, um, but then she was like, my employer was like, well, if you think, do you think that, uh, like, she's like, I'm really rethinking that five day, the four day work week, and this is a full time job. And do you think if we had someone cover the front desk, you could take on another day? I'm like, my truth is like, oh, God, no, I'd rather work like three days total. But what I said was like, yeah, I think maybe I would have more capacity. And then like ever since then, like she was so happy. Mm, yeah totally got what she's been wanting from me all along success you know but but like i i have been like in a state of like panic since then because i feel like i set in motion making something like i can't handle let's pause right there together and just let's feel it take a moment to feel it yes take your time to be with the emotions and the overwhelm and the breath we're just gonna take a minute just to feel what's coming up and Leah's giving us a perfect example, right? And she's showing us with her body what that does to the body. What's happening behind the fawning mechanism is what we're seeing here when she's not in front of this person fawning. So let's just take our time to feel that. You tell me what happens as you sit with those feelings. What do they tell you? What do they show you? I just, I feel like constriction all the way in my chest and throat and even kind of like a like a shaking that's right in there so let's pause and just feel that you know it doesn't feel good let's just like kind of witness that together and one thing i'm going to ask you to do is to in addition to witnessing that feeling your waist down like your legs your feet your hips what do those areas feel like (laughs) normal (laughs) what does normal mean Okay. Let's, just like, <laughs> kind of like at ease and solid, but I, let's I see what it's like. <laughs> let's let's marinate into those together for a moment. Just really taking a moment to feel those and then slowly coming up to the throat again, just kind of going between the two three or four times, nice and slowly. And you just tell us what emerges next. have more of a sense of like calm and grounding Mm. when I'm up in this stuff it's like it's so overwhelming and then and then like when I'm 
reminding myself of my lower body, it feels more like, okay, I can, I can handle this. Like it's not comfortable, Mm. but it's Mm -hmm. not, I'm not going to die. Let's just stay with that for a moment. I just want everyone to hear that again. Like I can handle this. It's not comfortable, but I'm not going to die. I want us to all really hear those words and notice this for yourselves, even if you're following with us. Yeah, and you're nice. I just saw your shoulders come down a bit and you're breathing nice. Just taking your time with that. We're just letting this rework itself. That's all. So with your legs, all this charge starts to rework itself. And you tell us what happens next up here. What does this area do or feel next? Well, now my lower body, like my, I'm like where I'm sitting to my butt, it's like, and in my gut kind of is like kind of shaking so some of the charge seems like it went down there good nice even the awareness the charge went down there and it's some shaking let's see what it would be like to facilitate the shaking like how do the legs want to move from that shake if they do well i'm sitting cross-legged so good awareness like even better <laughs> so let's see how that feels what does it feel like to have the feet on the ground yeah better yeah does the shake go away? Does it stay? What happens with that? Not to my legs. <laughs> so let's see what the legs want to do with that shake. Let's look at them and just kind of just play with it. Do they, do they want to stretch? Do they actually want to shake? Do they want to touch? What do they want? They just it does feel good to move. It's mm. wiggling and mm-hmm. stomping a little bit. Let's just play with that for a minute, okay? Might just like get get up and go for a, a walk right outside the door. <laughs> yes. Would you be up to just walk around your room in a circle and come back? Okay. Thank you for the invitation. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I would just be. No, you're allowed to. <laughs> and uh, even notice okay. as okay, even <laughs> okay. notice as you do this, you're teaching us right now not to fall. You know, like her body wants to get up and move, but she's in a demo, so she doesn't. So she's letting her agency really take her. And just see how that feels. Yeah, I feel like that a lot. Like I, I mean, and, and on the job too, it's like totally. I actually used to teach a movement and meditation and like wiggle all the time and say weird things. And, and like the job is just like, but button it, button it down. That's right. That's right. So there's that breath. It doesn't like to... need to be though, to be honest. It's like, I think I assign that to myself incredible okay pause there (laughs) let's just be with that that's important and just let your body feel that and catch up to that like i assign that to myself just feel that not to blame just to kind of let the body notice oh i'm the authority there right it's actually me i get to choose just see where that goes and now i'm shaking again (laughs) follow the shake i'm with you i'm just gonna stay standing up i think good yeah do whatever your body wants right now what happens when you stand up and you move your legs? Um, then the, like all the shaking just isn't stuck as stuck. Mm-hmm. I still feel really mm-hmm. uncomfortable. <laughs> Take your time. And your hand goes right there, which I love. And just see what it's like as you're standing to feel your legs, to have your hand over this part of the chest and just see what is this place? Does it have something it wants to say? Something it wants to do, sound, like what's in there? Yeah, good. Anything it wants to do is great. Oh. Yeah. 
just see what that's like. There's so much in there. <laughs> yeah. So take, let's take, let's pause, let's pause and just let it be there and let it do its thing. Let it build up for a moment and see, is there emotion? Are there words? What's in there as it builds up? I just feel focused on the, like, it's like shaking now. Good. Let's stay with that shaking, just like your legs. And just see how does that shaking want to express itself? What does it want to do? And I notice now that like my face feels kind of frozen. Like mm -hmm. my like, expression is like a, a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Would you try a sound with me? Yeah. Have you heard of the sound vu in somatic work? Oh, I've done that in the course. Yeah. Okay. All right. So do you want, do you want to do it with me? Yeah, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna sit for this for okay. some reason. No, yeah, good. Follow that. So we're gonna do that and then we have to close our demo and we'll see where it goes. Okay. So first we'll take a regular everyone can follow us if you want. Take a regular breath first. Just and then our second breath, we say the sound vu as deep as we can as we breathe in. And we go vu. So you exhale all your air. You just tell us what that does, if anything. I don't know. I mean, it feels good because it kind of concentrates something. Do you want to do it again? Sure. Let's do it again. Yeah, just notice what happens. What does it do? It kind of, it moves things a little bit, but what, like what I experience is like it kind of moves down and then when I stop, it shoots back out. Mm -hmm. So we have to pause here, but I'd like to talk to everybody about what's happening. Are you cool with that? Yeah, thank okay. you. Thank you, my friend. And maybe we can put up some hearts, some emojis of gratitude um, for Leah, if you're able to. Can you take a self spotlight as well, Marie? Oh, I already did. Great. So, so much has happened here. So, I'm going to do my best to go through it. Uh, the first thing I thought was so amazing is understanding that when we fawn, right, we aren't accessing our agency of what wants to happen. There's a different agency. The body's performing. That is an expression. And there's something else it really wants to do that it isn't doing. That freeze I was talking about that comes against it. So, what was really cool is we were seeing how in this session that was happening. There was this desire to move once she became aware of her lower half, right? And then following it, she uncrossed her legs, then realized she wanted to walk and started walking. And that was the first place where her body was accessing some of her agency, some of her ability to have an honest response rather than that seated position here with me response, which is kind of like reenacts what she goes through at work, as, as you were saying, like button, button up, you know? What I thought was really interesting, two things, when we have a charge up here in our body, I always liken this to a, a tube of toothpaste. When there's a, a constriction in the lower half that builds the pressure to the top, we can almost always be positive that the lower half is not online. Like we're not even noticing we have legs, we don't even notice our waist down. This is especially true with fawning, because we fawn with our faces more than anything. We can also fall with our hands and our hips, depending on how we swing them toward people. I, I used to do that. But our faces are really our social engagement centers. 
And that's the place that performs the most when we're fawning, which means most of our activation, most of our energy, our blood, our constriction is coming up here to make this place perform. While the lower half freezes because we probably want to flight in most of these cases. We want to walk away from the person or situation, but we stay and we appease. So it was interesting that our legs go offline. This happens with almost everyone I've ever worked with. And this happened just now with Leah. So the first step is get those legs online. This is a great thing we can do in real time. When we're in a situation where we feel like we're going to fall or we notice we might go into it, just wiggle the legs, touch them with your hands, stand up if you can, like really play with the agency of the lower body, which helps some of this come down. And she said that really great at first. The charge was coming down into the lower half of her body. That's awesome. It's great when charge redistributes and moves around. Now, I'm going to what Elena said earlier about more time. This is a perfect example of more time. This is like a drop-in just to visualize and see this. But what's happening in this throat area, and again, this is my assessment. It could be totally inaccurate for you. When we are fawning again, right, there's a brace against what we want to say. And what they want us to say is what actually comes out exactly in your example. So that constriction and charge that lives up here in my personal experience, in my own body, comes from all the things I haven't said. It's just being constricted. There's a bracing that's protecting me from saying my truth because my truth believes something bad is going to happen in response. So it takes some time to work through the charges in this throat area, especially around fawning when your voice has been literally shut down. And so the reason why I started with vooing because she was saying she felt like um, this mask here. Vooing is this really great way to add some vibration and a healthy amount of activation to these parts that are shut down. If I don't have my voice, if I am not expressing what I need or what I feel, vooing kind of allows that to happen without context. So instead of the actual phrase like, no, I want four days a week, which you can also play with after this call and see how that feels, just even witnessing yourself while you're walking with a pillow. That phrase might alleviate a lot of that tension, but sometimes vooing can also do that. And what I thought was interesting is while she vooed, it came down, and then when she stopped, went right back up, which tells me that area really wants to express more. It has more that it wants to come up and out with, and it's about building capacity for that. So when it comes to not being able to express our truth, we don't have to run into situations and suddenly be really brutally honest because we probably don't have capacity for that. And if our job depends on it, it's not the best thing to do until our job doesn't depend on it. So in this case, we get to be the witness for those parts. Like I was saying earlier in the session about creating that witnesser of the sovereign body. So you get to sit there and, you know, I'm just as an example. No, actually, it's four days is all I can do regardless of what gets changed, four days is all I can do. And you don't do it with the idea that it's going to happen with that boss or that place. You just start by, can I witness myself in that? How does it feel in my body as I do that? And as we build capacity for our own truth, then we build capacity for other people witnessing our truth, right? But you can't just jump to it. Just like someone said earlier, you can get re-traumatized because it's too much charge that you're unable to handle, which is usually inevitable when we are not fawning because the person isn't getting what they want. And so there's going to be a constriction that happens. And that's okay. People are allowed to be mad at us when we disappoint them. I don't even focus on them. It's, but what do I do with it is what my focus is. 
if we think they should or shouldn't, we'll get hung up on them to decide when we can be honest. And again, unless our life is dependent on it, we don't have to orient to them for us to be honest. We get to orient to ourselves. So we covered a lot today. I want to pause and just settle into it for a moment. Just seeing what's alive for you in your body. You know, what you notice right now, what's new, what's like information you've heard and you heard it in a new way today, somewhere it took you in yourself. Just feel into that. And you have our information. You're on the e- only way you got this is being on the email list or in one of our circle spaces. So you're already connected to us in some way. If you want more information on the next course, you can just email Evan. He'll tell you whatever you need to know about that because that is what's going to teach you the, the real foundational practices around this capacity for the charge work that we started doing today. Even if you never take my course, if you just play with the feeling the now, which we did, and we have a free audio for that. Most of you should get that on the email list. If you don't, again, Evan can get you the info there. That practice is like amazing. You can do it your whole life in so many different experiences. And it will lower that charge so your agency comes back. Okay. But if you really want to get into it more, if you want to learn the practices for the building of capacity for that charge, that's where the course would come in. And Evan will get you that info. So I want to thank you all so much. Really, really beautiful work. It was it was fun to hold the space with you. We'll have another one in a couple months, another email series. I want to say late June, July. Do you know off the top of your head, Marika? Should we just say summer? <laughs> yeah, I believe it's June. Okay, cool. Um, so any questions, anything that comes up for you, write to Evan. I'm not going to be responding. Like we're not going to be answering questions about fawning anymore from here. You'd have to come into one of our spaces. That's what this was for. But anything that comes up, you know, in terms of how to work with us or do more work in the future, technical stuff, Evan's your guy. Um, so if you want to unmute, you can. Remember, you're being recorded. But you can say goodbye. Love to hear your voice. So that's the end of today's episode. Notice where you feel the episode inside of your body. Those sensations, those expressions, that's how your body speaks to you. Sit with it, be with it, and let whatever wants to come up, come up. Because all the wisdom you're looking for is right there in those sensations. If you want to go deeper into these practices or find more information about my work, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. I'll see you next time.